All right, I know we're still passing the offering, and we'll continue to do that until we're finished. And uh, while that's still going on, I just want to ask the rest of us if we will go ahead and get our Bibles out. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Today we're starting a brand new series called Crazy Love. It's going to take us all the way through the summer. And a series I'm, I'm really looking forward to teaching through. And uh, we're going to go ahead and just dive right in. So as you're flipping to 1 Corinthians 13, I want to take, you, take just a moment and tell you a little bit about this book, 1 Corinthians. Um, this was actually a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth back in the first century. This was a church that he founded, he planted, that he loved and cared deeply about. Now the purpose of this letter was very, very simple, okay? The people at the church at Corinth... They were some messed up people. Um, They were arrogant. They were prideful. They were doing some very dumb, very sinful things. And so Paul writes this letter that we're going to be hanging out in for the next eight weeks. He writes it to them to address their issues, to call them to repentance so that they can move forward and fulfill their mission and purpose as a church. That's why he's writing this letter. So I just want to go down the list real quick and I'll tell you about some of the issues that this church had so you can kind of get an idea of how messed up they were, okay? Um, Inside the church at Corinth, um, there were certain people committing incest, okay? So family members sleeping with family members and other people inside the church, they were doing one of two things. They were either choosing to ignore it. Some people were actually applauding what was going on. Um, other people in the church, when it came time for communion, instead of treating communion as a time to come and to remember the broken body of Jesus and the shed blood of Jesus and to reflect on his death, they would come in and take part in communion um, and, and they would be hungry so they'd eat all the bread and they would want to get a buzz so they would drink all the wine, right? So they're getting drunk at communion Nobody else can remember Jesus because there's been a bunch of people who just devoured everything and now they're sitting in the seats buzzed out of their minds, right? Um, also at the church at Corinth, you had people who'd show up on a morning like this to celebrate Jesus and instead of celebrating Jesus, they were cursing Jesus. They said that Jesus was a cursed man because he died on a cross. And so you had a lot of confused people at Corinth. They didn't know whether to curse him or celebrate him. Um, Also, a lot of people in this church were questioning the reality of resurrection. They were having trouble believing that Jesus actually rose from the dead. They were having trouble believing that one day in the future that all of those who know Jesus are going to also be risen from the dead to live in new resurrected bodies. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you know, Paul calls him out. He goes, listen, if the resurrection, resurrection thing isn't true, we're all wasting our time here. Instead of living for Jesus, loving Jesus, sharing Jesus, we should be partying, drinking, eating up, living like we want, and just waiting to die. This whole Christianity thing's a sham if resurrection isn't true. Um, This was also a church that was very competitive when it came to spiritual gifts. Okay, so you had um, a church full of people. Maybe somebody had a gift of teaching. Somebody had a gift of prophecy. Somebody had a gift of tongues. And they'd all show up together. And instead of using those spiritual gifts to build up the church, they used those spiritual gifts to bring attention to themselves. They were using those spiritual gifts to do nothing more than to say to everybody else around them, look how awesome I am. Look how spiritual I am. I'm better than you because I have this gift and you have this gift. Again, this was a messed up church. And so Paul's writing to address 
their problems. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul brings this letter to a head and he gives us a picture of what was at the bottom of all of the issues that this church was having. So again, if you have your Bibles out, we're going to start reading 1 Corinthians 13, um, starting in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along up here on the screens. Here's what he says. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And this is the famous part of this passage that many of us are familiar with. He goes on and he says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. And if you jump down to verse 13, Paul closes the chapter out by saying, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So if you pay attention to this chapter, it becomes undeniably clear that at the bottom of all of these issues that this church at Corinth had was a lack of love. They couldn't figure this thing out, right? They were failing in their love for God. They were failing in their love for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And because they weren't loving God well and loving each other well, there was no way in the world they were going to love people outside the church well. And Paul tells them, he goes, listen, go ahead and be a church that defines yourself by a lot of other things besides love, right? He says, you can be the most gifted people on the face of the planet, You can know all there is to know about the Bible, about God, about Jesus. You can have the greatest courage of anybody, the greatest faith of anybody. Lay down your life as a martyr and die for what you say you believe in. And then Paul goes, but if at the heart of all that is not love, he said, man, you're nothing more than a a clanging cymbal or a noisy gong. You know what he's equating you to? You know what he's saying about you if that's you? He's going, dude, you're just annoying, Right? Like you might say you're courageous, have great faith, know a lot, you're spiritually gifted, but if you don't love, if love isn't at the heart of who you are as a follower of Jesus, then you're just noise. You're, I mean, you've been around somebody just banging a cymbal before, it's annoying, it's meaningless, it's noisy. Paul's going, that's you. That's you. And the same, of, uh, the same thing that was true of these people in the church at Corinth and what was Paul saying, or what Paul was saying to them, um, it, it's true of us today as well. As followers of Jesus Christ, the one huge thing that we should always be known by and for is our love. Our love for God, our love for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, and our love for people that are outside the walls of the church. Now, the unfortunate thing about where we live today is that if you go outside to the people outside the walls of the church and you ask them what they think about Christians, um, unfortunately, most of them probably aren't going to say, wow, love, that's what I think about. Like, what do you think about Christians? Those are the most loving people I've ever been around, right? 
I mean, they're so humble. I mean, what they say they believe in, they're, they're passionate about it. They're loving God and loving Jesus, and they love each other like crazy. I've never seen that before. And, man, when they come and talk to me about Jesus, they're not arguing with me just because they want to be right. right. They're sharing what they believe because they love me, and they're concerned about me. And I can sense that and feel that. Not too oftentimes what people out there are saying about us is, man, those people are haters, Christians, man, they're judgmental, and too many times they know us for what we're against rather than what we're for. And church, listen to me. We cannot afford to let that be true about us. And so the goal of this series is very simple. Over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about how in the world we become that church and we exist as that church. That, man, when people mention our name, they go, those people love Jesus, they love each other, and they love us. I want us to walk through this series the next several weeks and understand how to avoid becoming that church where we're full of people who know a lot and have great faith and great courage but lack in love. If we don't have love, again, we're meaningless at that point according to the Bible. So here's how we're going to approach this series every week. We're going to focus in on one love is, love is not statement from 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to try to define that statement the best we can so that we can understand it. And then we're going to walk through either a teaching from Jesus or a story or passage about Jesus so that we can understand how that type of love looks like when it's applied to real life, right? I mean, when Jesus was here, he loved people perfectly with that 1 Corinthians 13 type of love. So in my book, there's nobody better to learn from. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the big idea for the day, okay? Here's what it is. The big idea that we're focusing in on is this truth that love is patient and kind. Love is patient and kind. Now, back in our uh, marriage series, marriage and parenting series we did at the beginning of the year, I shared with you that if you go back to the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek, there are four words used by the Greeks to define and to describe love. Um, One of them is the word storge. It's the type of love that a parent might feel for a child. Um, Another love is phileo that they talk about. Think about how you love your friends, um, your best friend. It's that kind of love. Um, Eros, it's romantic love, the love that exists between a husband and a wife. And then there's the word that Paul uses in this passage repeatedly, which is the word agape. And agape is simply unconditional love. It's loving someone even when that person doesn't deserve to be loved. And I love the simple definition I'm going to use probably a lot this morning. Agape love is love for no reason at all. It's love for no reason at all. So we have to understand right out of the gate when Paul is calling us to love. He isn't calling us to love people with a worldly natural love, is he? I mean, anybody can love someone who loves them in return, who's easy to get along with, who's not annoying, right, who they're good friends. Anybody can pull that off. Instead, Paul is calling us to a supernatural, godly love. Again, a love that looks at someone and goes, I'm just going to love you for no reason at all. Even when you don't deserve to be loved, I'm going to choose to love you. This is what Paul is calling us to. Now, Paul says that that kind of love, agape love, Love for no reason at all, that kind of love is what? It's patient and it's kind. Now that word patient in the Greek language simply means this. It means that we choose patience over retaliation. 
So it's us looking at someone who might treat us unjustly, someone who might treat us poorly, and instead of just reacting toward them, we choose patience. We choose patience. We, we love them instead of retaliating against them. And that word kind simply means to be gentle. So we could literally read this verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to say this. We could read it to say that love, agape love, that love for no reason at all, means that we choose not to retaliate toward people who may treat us poorly, but instead we choose to be patient, kind, and gentle toward all people. Now, if you're here and you go, that sounds hard, Um, I don't know if I can pull that off, a little bit weird, then you're on the right track, right? That's why we're calling this series Crazy Love. That's what it's all about, and I need you to know you can't do this by yourself, and we'll get there, and we'll talk about how this type of love is possible toward the end. But before we do that, again, I want us to learn from Jesus. What does this love look like when it plays out in real life? And so go ahead and flip over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and uh, this is from Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. When we were just in our prayer series, uh, part of the same sermon that Jesus was preaching from Matthew 5, and we're going to start reading in verse 38 to get a clear picture from Jesus about what patient and kind love looks like when displayed toward people. So Matthew 5, verse 38, here's what Jesus says. He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, in this passage, Jesus is going back Old Testament on us, okay? He's going back to Deuteronomy 19, and he's bringing up this law called the law of retaliation. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. This was a law that God implemented within his people Israel through Moses. um, and, And the law was about this. It was simply about maintaining peace and justice within the nation of Israel. And so this law said this, if you commit a crime... A punishment needs to be handed out to you to fit whatever crime you've committed. And those punishments were supposed to be handed out by those in positions of civil authority. So today, you know, those people would be judges, police officers, those kind of people. Now, when Jesus brings this up, he's not doing away with this law, but instead he was reminding us as his followers that absolutely none of us have been given the right or the responsibility to seek out any kind of personal revenge or retaliation against people who may treat us poorly or unjustly. Right, Jesus is going, leave that to some other people. There's other people who can take care of that for you. And Jesus, again, is reminding us, as my followers, your job is different. Your job is to go love people with patience and kindness instead of retaliation. You choose to love people for absolutely no reason at all. That's your job as my followers. And then Jesus gives us four very real-life examples of how this might play out for us. All right, so the first thing that he brings our attention to is this. He says, listen, in life, you might have people who attack you. You might have people who attack you. And Jesus teaches it this way. He says, listen, if someone comes to you and they slap you on the right cheek, 
He said, turn your other cheek to them as well. Uh, During the time of Jesus, if someone wanted to insult or attack somebody, they'd walk up to them, and with the back of their right hand, they would slap them across the right cheek. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up um, fighting in my neighborhood, right? I mean, I played sports, and it was trash talk, and I remember fights on the football field, and I mean, that's how I grew up, right? If somebody attacks you, you leave them worse than you found them, right? I mean, you throw hands, it's going down. That's how I grew up. I mean, that's just how we did. And so when I think about that, if someone slaps you in the face, think about this with me. Like, my natural reaction is I will kill them, right? If they hit me in the face, it's going down, man. Jesus says, no, 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 listen, as my follower, if someone slaps you in the face, they attack you, they insult you, you know what you do? You turn the other cheek toward them. Let them slap that one too. Jesus is going, listen, it's about patience and kindness as a follower of me. It's not about revenge. It's not about retaliation. It isn't about you attack me, so I attack you. It's about loving people for absolutely no reason at all, even people who attack us. Now listen, Jesus is not calling us to be punching bags, okay? I want you to know that. Um, He's not calling us to, if someone's beating the mess out of us, like don't defend yourself. That's not what Jesus is saying here. What he is saying is this, is that as his followers, we should be willing to lay down our rights to exchange evil for evil, insult for insult, and violence for for violence, and instead to choose patience and kindness, love for absolutely no reason at all for everyone we come in contact with. Now, um, I know that this isn't easy, right? This is hard stuff that we're talking about, but this is what we signed up for, church, when we said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus and be a part of what he's doing. I I have a buddy, a good friend of mine, who was doing inner city work in Chicago back several years ago, and he was working with teenage boys and and some younger boys, and he was sharing a story with me once of sitting across the table from this kid, inner city Chicago kid, I mean, rough area of town, and he's sharing Jesus with this kid. And all of a sudden, in the middle of my buddy talking to him, this kid just hocks one in his face right across the table. And I know my friend, so I'm going, dude, did you get fired? I mean, did you hurt the kid? What happened, you know? And he goes, James, man, everything in me, I wanted to just destroy this kid. He said, but what I did, he said, I wiped the spit off my face. I looked across the table at this kid, and I said, I love you, and Jesus still loves you. He said, that's what it looks like to choose patience and kindness over retaliation. That's hard stuff. But listen to me, church, when we do this, the world around us gets a picture of just how much Jesus has changed our life and how loving and gracious he truly is. And Jesus goes on and he says, also, there's going to be people in life who want to take your stuff. People in life who want to take your stuff. And, And here's how Jesus teaches this. He says, listen, if someone sues you for your tunic, go ahead and hand over your cloak to them as well. And I'll explain this so we get it, okay? Um, people back in the time of Jesus and, and even in the Old Testament times, it, it was very common to sue another person for possessions, and this could include clothing, all right? But there was a certain limit on what kind of clothing you could sue a person for. Um, we know that you could sue a person for items that would fall under category of 
tunic, which would be stuff like dresses, shirts, pants, suits, stuff like that. But what you could not sue a person for was their cloak. A person generally only had one cloak, and it was a very heavy piece of clothing, um, like a coat you and I would wear today, and a person only had one, and they would wear it when it was cold outside in winter, or if for some reason they found themselves sleeping outside at any point. So that's why you couldn't sue for a person's cloak. So now Jesus, again, imagine this. He's coming to these people and going, hey, if somebody wants to take all of your clothes, all your tunic stuff, go ahead and just give him your cloak as well. I mean, imagine sitting there and hearing that. Hold on, wait, wait. So they're taking all my clothes, and I'm supposed to give her the one thing that I have to keep me warm in the winter. Jesus, have you lost your mind? No, just go ahead and give it to him as well. You see, this is Jesus saying, all those people that are wanting to take your stuff, instead of retaliating, you know what you do? Just love them for no reason at all. Be patient with them. I know they're treating you poorly. I know they're treating you unjustly. Be patient. Don't be reactionary. Be kind and be gentle toward them. And in the event they want to take your stuff, just go ahead and give them all your stuff. Love them for no reason at all. Church, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Um, One, here's the deal. We do it because when we approach people like that, we say to the world watching, God loves me, I trust him to provide all that I need, and if I give this, then you know what, I'm just trusting he's gonna bless me back and give me what I need. I can trust him. Um, the other thing, and the other reason we do this, and, and we live like that, and treat people like this, um, listen to me, even if you give someone all of your stuff, you know what it says to the world watching when you approach people with love and patience and kindness like that, it says, listen world, you can take everything I have, Jesus is still enough for me. It doesn't matter, like, t- this is stuff, Right? possessions, temporary stuff, and you can have all that I have, and Jesus is still enough, and he still loves me, and I'm all good, and he's going to give me what I need. And when we love people with that kind of patience and with that kind of kindness, people who might want to take our stuff, again, the world sees how much Jesus has changed our lives, and it shows them how loving and gracious he truly is. He keeps going, and he says, again, there's going to be people in your life who want to waste your time. People in life who want to waste your time. And Jesus paints this picture by telling his listeners that if they're forced to go a mile with someone, to go ahead and go two miles with them. Now, these people sitting here listening to Jesus this day, they would have understood this statement in a way that none of us can really comprehend, and I'll explain why. During the time of Jesus, the nation of Rome was ruling and reigning over Israel, okay? So what that meant is this, is that if a Roman came to an Israelite at any point and said, hey, buddy, I need your help today. I've got so-and-so going on. That Israelite would have to drop everything that he or she was doing and go help that Roman, Okay, so again, think about that. Family stuff going on, job stuff going on. I'm trying to get stuff done around the house. Roman knocks on the door. You're helping me today. Let's go. There's nothing you could do. Talk about somebody wasting your time, right? So Jesus, again, he's going, listen, if a Roman, if they force you to go one mile with them to do something for them, put in the extra mile. Go ahead and go two. 
going to be people in your life who want to waste your time. And Jesus says, listen, as my followers, in those moments, man, you've got to choose to be patient. And you've got to choose to be gentle and kind when it comes to forceful, aggressive, annoying people who just want to waste your time. You just got to love them for no reason at all. That's what you signed up for. Now, again, moment of honesty. I will be honest and say that this one is very, very hard for me, okay? I hate to feel like I'm ever wasting time on anything. Can I be really honest with you for a moment? This is a safe place, right? You're not going to judge me, are you? Um, Man, I've had those moments where I've been like out and about, and this doesn't apply to any of you guys. This is other people, okay? Um, Other places. I'm serious. I've been out and about at times. Like, prime example, grocery store. And uh, seen somebody, you know, across the store and getting close and totally dip down an aisle, right, to avoid. You guys judging me already, right? You're not better than me. Um, but listen, man, I see them and I dip out and I go, man, I can't. If I get in that conversation, it's 30 minutes, man, and I just don't have that kind of time today. You know what I'm talking about? You ever done that? You more holy than I am? No? We good? Still safe? Okay. All right. Um, it's hard for me to feel like I'm wasting time, man. Um, but listen, and, and here's what I have to understand, and here's what we've all got to understand. Um, as followers of Jesus, serving and spending time with people is never a waste of time. Never. And it doesn't matter how forceful, it doesn't matter how aggressive, it doesn't matter how annoying spending time and serving people is never a waste of time for us. And the reason's simple. Because in those moments, we have an opportunity to reflect the attitude and the love of Jesus Christ toward that person, and that's never a waste of time. Church, we can't ever buy into the lie that people are a waste of time. People are loved by God, they matter to him, and they've got to matter to us. And so listen, how does this play out in practical ways? Um, you're going to work tomorrow. Some of you go, man, my boss, he's a jerk, and he forces me to do stuff I don't want to do, and he's aggressive, and he's annoying, and oh, I just waste my time. What if you did this? What if you walked into work tomorrow, and boss asked you to do something, and instead of being a jerk about it, you responded with a great attitude and said, man, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Right, like today, I'll, I'll love you for no reason and I'm going to be patient, I'm going to be kind, I'm going to reflect the attitude of Christ toward you. What if the next time that annoying friend called, right? We all have one of those. Um, and said, hey, can we hang out? Hey, can we chat? Instead of trying to figure out why you can't, what if you just went, you know what, let me check the calendar, see when I can carve out a couple of hours. And yeah, we're going to go spend some time together. And reflect the love of Christ, the attitude of Christ toward you. We weren't a waste of time for Jesus. We can't let other people be perceived in our brains and in our hearts as wasting our time. People are not a waste of time. We've got to love them. We've got to love them for no reason at all. And Jesus finishes up this passage by saying there's going to be people in our lives who at times want to borrow from us. They want to borrow from us. And Jesus says it like this. He says, give to the one who begs from you. And don't refuse the one who would borrow from you. Now, um, I, I want to make this clear 
Jesus isn't teaching that we just give anything to anybody who asks something from us, okay? Um, we want to be biblical about things, and so I do want you to know that the Bible does teach in several places that we shouldn't be giving stuff, giving handouts to lazy people, right? That's Bible. Um, the Bible says that if a person's not willing to work, then that person shouldn't eat. So Jesus isn't calling us to that, right? Take care of lazy people who want to play video games in their parents' basement until they're 40 years old. We don't need to take care of those people. Parents, if you have that kid, get them out of your house immediately. Um, we love them. Tell them to get a job. Um, here's the deal. But Jesus is calling us as his followers to take care of those people who are truly in need and to bless them out of what we have. He's going, listen, there's going to be people who are going to come throughout life and they're going to beg and they're going to want to ask you for stuff to meet needs. And as my followers, Jesus says, love them in those moments. For no, be patient with them. Be kind to them. Don't just react and go, no, nah, nah, I can't help you. No, nah, I don't have anything. No, patience. It's not retaliation. It's not reaction. It's love for no reason at all. It's patient kindness. I shared this story several months ago about a lady who approached me at Kroger one day. I was putting groceries in my car. I just got done grocery shopping, and uh, the lady was kind of walking across the parking lot, tears coming down her face. And again, my reaction was, oh, man, what does she want, you know? And she started sharing her story with me. And, you know, family members in the hospital, I made it this far, ran out of gas, stranded, have no money. And God just kind of spoke to me in that moment and said, hey, um, this is an opportunity to share the love of Christ with this lady by just meeting a need. And so I followed over to the gas pump and filled her gas tank up and said, God bless you. He loves you. That's why I'm doing this. I want you to know that. I could have missed that, right, if I just got reactionary. Ah, oh, this lady wants something from me. But instead, man, we stop long enough to be patient and to, to be gentle toward people. God can speak to us in those moments as his followers. And then instead of missing opportunities, we get opportunities to share the love of Christ. And as followers of Jesus, we've got to be willing to be patient with people who want to borrow from us. We've got to love them for no reason at all. We can't have that attitude toward them that says, you know what, they need to try harder, work harder. They shouldn't put themselves in those kinds of situations. Again, instead, we've got to stop, be kind, be gentle, be patient, and love them for no reason at all, generously and graciously. So maybe you sat through this this morning and you go, and that sounds awesome. Sounds really good on paper. And as you say, it, it sounds really good. But James, I don't think there's any way in the world I can pull that off. Maybe you're going, James, you don't know me. And if the Lord really knew me, he wouldn't have put that in the Bible because, man, I am so impatient with people, right? I mean, when people attack me, insult me, steal from me, want to take my stuff, they want to waste my time, man, I just react. I get mad. I get angry. Maybe some of us are here, and this is your story. You go, James, I want to love people like that. And I want to follow Jesus and be a part of what he's doing. Maybe you're here and you're going, but there's people in my life who have hurt me so badly that I just don't know if I can do that. Like maybe you're here and you go, man, I've been abused in a way. I've had a spouse walk out on me. I had parents who were supposed to love me who abandoned me. Like James, how in the world do I pull off that kind of love after all that I've experienced and been through? 
And, and a couple of things that I'll say about that, okay? One, I need you to understand that choosing to love people for no reason at all with patience and with kindness, it doesn't mean that you forget all, all that's happened to you, okay? It doesn't. It doesn't mean that you become best friends with people who've hurt you. Sometimes it simply means you don't talk about them poorly anymore. Sometimes it means when you encounter them and when you run into them, you're just kind to them instead of looking for ways to make cutting remarks. Sometimes that's just all it means to love someone with patience and with kindness. But the other part of it is this. You have to understand that you can't pull off the kind of love that we've talked about this morning on your own power or through your own strength. Right, that kind of love, agape love, supernatural, unconditional, love for no reason at all, that is patient and kind, you don't pull that kind of love off just by trying really, really hard to love people like that. You see, loving people like that has to do with the condition of your heart. It's a heart thing. It's a heart issue. And none of us can give that kind of love away that we've talked about until we've experienced that kind of love for ourselves. And the only place you experience that kind of love for yourself is in and through Jesus Christ. You see, until you understand that God so loved you that he sent his one and only son into the world to die in your place for your sins, to rise from the dead so that you could have eternal life and you experience that love for yourself, you can never give that kind of love away to other people. So if you hear this morning going, I don't know how I can do it, James, how do I pull that off? The first question I'd ask is, do you know Jesus? Have you come into a relationship with Jesus? It's got to start there. For the rest of us who say, man, yeah, I know Jesus. I've come into a relationship with him. In order to give that kind of love away, you got to be walking with Jesus every day. Like you guys do get that Christianity is not just a belief system, right? Like it is a relationship with the living God and Savior of the universe. And if you want to give the kind of love away that Jesus has shown you through his death and his resurrection, then listen to me, you got to wake up every day and you got to pursue that relationship. you got to stay close to him. When you accepted him as Savior, he put his Holy Spirit inside of your body to enable you to live out the life he's called you to live. And so every day, man, get up and renew your mind by getting in the truth of this book. Every day, wake up and pray today, God, just Fill me up with your Holy Spirit. God, I want to walk in your spirit. I want to live my life like Jesus and give the kind of love away that Jesus has so freely and graciously given to me. You got to pursue him. You got to walk with him. It's a relationship, church. And so this morning, two things. If you don't know him, I want to invite you to know him before you go. If you do know him, I want us to take the next couple of minutes and pray that God would help us to love people with a patient and kind love. So will you join me in praying for that? Father God, this morning, we just thank you for the opportunity to be in this place together as your church, as people that you love. God, and we do just want to stop and be mindful this morning, God, that you've demonstrated love for us, God, that the world has never seen. God, we thank you for so graciously giving us exactly what we needed through Jesus to be saved, God, to come into a relationship with you and to have eternal life. And God, I just pray this morning, if there's anybody in the room, 
God, that doesn't know Jesus. God, I pray that right now you just put that on them, God. Make them aware of their need for him right now in this moment. Pray that your Holy Spirit, God, just press into them. Listen, if you are here and you've never encountered a relationship with Jesus before, if you've never confessed him as Savior, as Lord, believed in what he's done for you at the cross, the Bible says it's a pretty simple deal. You repent and you believe. You need to be willing to repent of your sin, to ask God to forgive that and to turn from your sin and to come after Jesus. And the Bible says if you'll just believe Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, believe those things, confess those things that are true about him, the Bible says God will save you. And right there in your seat, right now in this moment, you can just say that to him in prayer. God, I believe, I believe Jesus is the son of God, that he died in my place for my sins, that he rose from the grave so that I could have eternal life. And God, this morning, through Jesus, forgive me of my sin, God. I'm turning from it, and I want to come after you and live the life, God, that you've called me to live. The Bible says you do that, God saves you. You're part of his family. He gives you eternal life, and he puts his very own spirit inside of you so that you can live the life he's called you to live. He makes you a new creation, the Bible says. God, for the rest of us, we just want to stop and pray this morning. Help us, God, as Westridge Cartersville, to be a church known and defined by our love for you, our love for each other, our love for those outside the faith. God, I just pray we never fall into the trap, God, of thinking that if we're courageous, if we know a lot, if we have great faith and great gifts, God, that we're fine. God, help us to always wrestle with this love question. Father, transform this church. Help us to become more and more and more like Jesus every single day, God. I pray you use this church for the glory of his name and his name alone. Lord, we love you and we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen.